It's that time, people. Bearcat Blitz on the Believe Network. I am your host, Russ Heltman. So excited to be with you all this week as we kind of turn the page from a new chapter in Bearcat Blitz, turn the page to a new sport, new season. For the most part, we're going to check in on football a little bit here and there, but very excited to welcome in my guy, Neil Meyer from the front office news, doing great work over there covering the Bearcats, been on the beat with me for He's been on the beat longer than I have at the Bearcats. I met him uh, when I first started a couple years ago, built a good relationship. And now we're going to bring you all the latest and greatest surrounding UC basketball with a little football news wrinkled in. We got to keep an eye on that transfer portal. All the same. We'll bring Neil in in just a moment after I tell you about Bet Online. This holiday season is off and rolling with NFL in full stride and the NBA and NHL hitting midseason. Form. Bet online is your number one destination for all your sports wagering info with up to the minute sports wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions. Bet online is the top spot for everything pro and amateur sports. It's not just the big four. Bet online has info available at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access at any time for almost any sport that is played. From MMA to international soccer, head to Bet Online today, and remember to use our promo code Believe. That's B L E A V for your fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. You of course can find this show on YouTube, Talking Cats with Russ Heltman, Spotify, Apple, Google, Amazon, whatever podcast feed you subscribe to. Please uh, subscribe to us there and give us a five star review while you're at it. And of course. These shows will be airing on Valley Sports Ohio. I think the basketball show will start airing next week. We have the football wrap-up with Dominic Goodman and I airing this week. Neil, my man, let's get it started. Welcome in, brother. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. I'm ready ready to get going. This is going to be a fun season, uh, especially with the basketball program. And I'm more than excited to get this opportunity going with you. Bearcat Blitz fans, everyone, this is going to be a great season. No doubt, man. No doubt. So let's start with the transfer portal here for the football side of things before we get into an exciting start for Cincinnati Bearcats basketball. Best start 6-0 and on the season for the first time since the 2017-2018 campaign and obviously the first time under Wes Miller even getting some NCAA tournament chatter. We'll touch on that in just a moment. But the transfer portal, Neil, correct me if I'm wrong, but we've had 17 entries so far. Just had great news that happened right before we started recording with Corey Kiner, the thousand yard rusher, 13th player all time to pull off that feat and just the third in the last decade for UC football coming back to Cincinnati for his senior season next year in 2024. They're also returning the entire offensive line and we can kind of start there, Neil. There were some, some exits, the two most notable exits, I would say in terms of production this year among the 17 players were Shaman Mater, who left last week, we touched on that and Deshaun Pace. To one, your one of your more productive top five receiver in terms of overall receiving yard production in Mater, and then Deshaun Pace, your top tackler last year, one of the five to seven highest graded players on the defensive side of the ball. Those two seem like the only real, majorly impactful exits from the seventeen. Neil, what do you think? Yeah, I absolutely one hundred percent agree with that. Obviously, losing a guy like Shimon Mater in a tight end room that had struggled this season. Obviously, Peyton Singletary. And Shimon Mateo were the two lead guys. And Shimon really flashed when his opportunities arose. I mean, we saw that versus BYU, two touchdowns versus BYU. We saw it versus West Virginia. He also had two touchdowns versus the Mountaineers as well. And Shimon's an interesting character because of his frame and his size. I mean, 
six foot five, 250 pounds. You can use him as an extra blocker there on the offensive line to get the run game going. But for somebody his size, he runs really well. I think they clocked him at nearly 20 miles per hour this offseason. And anybody who thinks of that is like, that's crazy for somebody his size. Right. But Sean Mateo was just getting going on the offensive side of the ball for the Bearcats and was poised to be the next Bearcat great tight end in the roles of those shoes of Josh Wiley and Lenny Taylor, who both are now in the NFL. So Shimon Mateo was used, going to be that next guy there at the tight end position to step up. But then you talk about Deshaun Pace, and that's a huge blow. I mean, Deshaun Pace has been a contributor since he arrived on campus back in 2020. He made an impact right away as a freshman. Now he's back. Now he's in the portal, and he's led the team in tackles this season, 80 tackles, and that's not even counting. He wasn't even available for the Oklahoma game due to right. being suspended for team violations. So, I mean, he was, wasn't even on the field for arguably their biggest Big 12 match of the season. But those are two substantial losses for Scott Satterfield and the Bearcats. And, I mean, you also got to throw in Miles Montgomery there a little bit too. I mean, Miles flashed in limited opportunities behind Corey Kiner. So those three, I think, are the biggest uh, contributors that have now left this Bearcats team and have entered the portal. I think Deshaun Pace is my top impactful transfer exit so far. Just the, just the, the versatility he brought you. He was a sound tackler for most of the season. He played that star position, which – is, is a tough role to play. You're, you're wearing a lot of hats. You're having to do a lot of things on that defense. And to me, that's going to be the biggest loss. Thank you thank you for mentioning Miles Montgomery right there. That one I would probably put above Shaman Mater in my eyes just because it's expected that Joey Belgian, I think he will be coming back from that injury, hopefully, this year. Uh, he, he should be able to get a medical redshirt if he wants to apply for one with having missed the entire year due to that knee injury that he suffered in the spring. But I would say in, in the order of things, I would probably go Deshaun Pace, Miles Montgomery, and then Shimon Mater as the most impactful transfers. Miles Montgomery, number one graded offensive player on the team, according to PFF this year, was a 6.6 .6 or 6.5 yards per carry guy and just never quite got hold of a bigger role in the running back room, never quite got hold of a firm grasp on that number two rushing role throughout the season. But you say that, Neil, and you look at the history of Scott Satterfield, he's a guy that's been able to bring home run hitting backs, complimentary backs to the thunder of a guy like Corey Kiner into his programs consistently throughout his career the past, de past decade. Yeah, and that's great that you mentioned it because Miles Montgomery in limited carries, I think he had 458 yards and yeah. two touchdowns on only 60 carries. So, I mean, you're looking at that. You mentioned averaging nearly 6.6 .6 yards per carry. When Miles had the opportunity, he flashed, and we saw it there versus Oklahoma State, and I believe it was Baylor the two weeks prior where he ripped off those 38-yard touchdown run, the 40-yard touchdown run. When Miles Montgomery could get to the outside and get in the open space and make the defenders miss, good luck tackling him because we saw it versus Oklahoma State. I think they clocked him at nearly 21 miles per hour on that touchdown run. So, I mean, you're looking at that. He's a, he's a home run hitter but I just think he didn't get the opportunities that he was expecting. And obviously with Corey Kiner rushing the way he was this season, it didn't really fit the role. And then Ryan Montgomery comes back and starts popping off there. So that running back room had a lot of different pieces, but I just feel like Miles Montgomery was just the odd man out, unfortunately. And it seems, Neil, that a lot of these guys that are leaving are fickle guys. They're fickle recruits. They're guys that were kind of left over from the last staff. I was honestly surprised Deshaun Pace stuck around in Cincinnati 
before this this past season, and he ended up playing well and, and playing admirably, admirably at that in terms of just the effort he gave on the field. Now, obviously, missed the game due to disciplinary issues. There was some stuff going on there, and he told uh, the Inquirer, Scott Springer, a couple of days ago that it was seemingly like a force out from the staff. So I think that can give fans some confidence where – the recruiting staff, the football staff, they know what the talent looks like on this roster. They know what kind of guys they want to keep on this roster. And they have subsequently moved quickly to either tell people they need to go, allow people to go if they want and, and, and just clean their hands of them. And now they can fully focus on additions in the transfer portal. With a exiting group of 17 players, it may sound a little high, but Neil, that's that's you that's about the average nowadays with guys exiting in and out of programs. Maybe you'd like to see it closer to 13, 14 players instead of 17, but it's kind of this, it's kind of where we are in today's college football. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you look down at some of them. I mean, Shimon Mateer, Miles Montgomery, Deshaun Pace, and Justin Watley, Justin Harris were guys who all saw significant time on throughout this season. And then you're looking down at some of the other guys. Some of those other guys didn't see significant time or even see the field quite often at all. Right. So those five right there were the guys who saw a lot of action on the field this season. Obviously, Justin Harris had to step in for Sammy Anderson, who got went down with an injury. And then Scott Satterfield announced he was out for the season after the tweet surfaced. And then Sammy Anderson's now in the portal. So I think those are big losses right there. Those six, you're losing six key contributors. I mean, Sammy had a great fall camp, and I don't think people really realize that. Sammy Anderson had five or six interceptions in a two-week time frame at Camp Higher Ground this season heading into the season. So, I mean, he was poised for a big season, just couldn't overcome the injury he sustained in week one, and the secondary was banged up from there. Yeah. You know, Neil, I'm going to have to, to take take what I see at fall camp with a little bit of a grain of salt going into this season because it, it felt like the wide receiver core was going to be really, really good going into this season, and they just never were able to find a way to get consistent separation. And it seemed like they were getting consistent separation or doing well against this cornerback room just because of the lack of talent there. I mean, as you mentioned, Sammy Henderson, we didn't get to see a whole lot of him, but even he he struggled in his one game against Eastern Kentucky. Justin Harris was a walking turnstile on the outside. The dude was just just awful. He was awful consistently all year, got benched for Kalen Carroll down the stretch. So you lose guys like Justin Watley, that's a, that's a loss definitively. That's a guy you would have liked to keep most of the time. But overall, I think when you look at the exits of this program right now, it's nothing to be truly worried about. Let's get to a break and then – commit the rest of the show to basketball right here on Bearcat Blitz. I'm your host, Russ Elman, my co-host, Neil Meyer. Bearcat Blitz continues right now on the Believe Network, wherever you're checking us out, whether that's YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all that good stuff. Any medium is a good medium to watch or listen to Bearcat Blitz. So, Neil, let's start here. Cincinnati Bearcats, West Baylor's crew, 6-0 and to start the season. They escape Howard and thankfully escaped us away from that broadcast. 86-81 on the Tuesday night. Fast forward to this morning, Thursday morning, when we're recording this. They're an 11th seat in Andy Katz's first bracket on NCAA.com. Slated to face the Illinois Fighting Illini, I believe, out of the East region. Both those teams, top 37 in Ken Palm. Cincinnati, as I mentioned at the top of the show, 6-0 and for the first time since 2017-2018 season. And, Neil, it feels to me 
like this might be the year everything comes together for Wes Miller. A game like Tuesday, they lose last year. They lose in 2021-2022 because I don't think they had the floor of talent like they have as high as it is right now with this roster. And overall, they're just answering the bell. You had to get through this conference slate 11-2 and or 12-1 and to realistically say, hey, we're going to have a strong opportunity to maybe go a little under 500 or 500 in conference play, and that should get you into the dance with a close to 20 wins as a Big 12 team. So they're answering all the all the questions so far. They're getting national attention, national love, and they still are missing a key, key player in Jamil Reynolds who when, not if, I believe it's when he gets on the floor, it completely changes the inside-out factor of this program, and it could be the ultimate skeleton key along with Aziz Bandego and Victor Locken of using size mixed with skill as a major weapon in the Big 12. Yeah, absolutely. And it is not a matter of if, it is a matter of when Jamil Reynolds hits the hits the court. I do expect we see him on the court at some point this season. And it's funny you mentioned that because we were talking, I was on a podcast yesterday with Terry Nelson and we were talking about uh, Jamil Reynolds a little bit. People forget that Jamil Reynolds has dropped 45 pounds with right. Mike Rayfeld in the Monster Factory since coming to Cincinnati in just, what is that, five months? That's incredible. But people, what people also don't know is he has the highest vertical on the team in 42 inches. So you add him back to a lineup with Aziz Bandego, Victor Lockin. I mean, it's, it's a dangerous. Like, this is the, the size they have down on the front court is arguably the tallest front court they have had in, I don't know how long, maybe 10 plus years. I mean, we see what Aziz can do. And in his first game back, I mean, look what just look what it did for a guy like Victor Lockin. Yeah. Really opened the floor up. I mean, he stepped behind the three-point line, knocked five straight down from behind the arc, which is something Victor has been working on all offseason. So overall, I mean, the Bearcats were able to space the floor, play to their ability, do a lot of different things with the bigs on the floor. So once they get Jamil Reynolds back, it, it's going to be a fun time up there in Clifton with what Wes Miller and his staff are doing in an 11 seed. Just get ready because if they can get a guy like Jamil back, I – firmly believe that they'll be higher than an 11 seed in this upcoming March Madness. Ooh, a little bit of a bold prediction from Neil on his first show. I love it. As we continue Bearcat Blitz here on the Believe Network, I'm your host, Russ Eltman, joined by my co-host. For the next few months, the rest of basketball season, Neil Meyer. So they get the dub, Neil, 86 to 81 over Howard. It was a dogfight, to say the least. It was a offensive high-powered dogfight at that as Cincinnati posts another 80-plus point game. The offense has looked really, really good so far this season, and this one largely powered by Dan Skillings and Victor Locken, who, I, I don't know if you disagree with me, Neil, but to me, those two guys, as of right now, Aziz Bandego as well, but I think he's still got a little bit more to show and a little bit more development to, to display. Those two guys, the top NBA talents projected, I think, on the Bearcats roster, if you were to project anyone to go to the league out of this team. And the way Victor Locken's shot is coming together, went 0 for 2 against, against Howard, but was 8 for 12 inside the three-point line. That's You're not going to disagree with that too often. 66%, you'll take that every day of the week. That shot keeps developing, and if Dan Skilling's shot keeps developing, those two guys could be NBA talents for sure. They could at least get into the G League and make some noise there. But I think just the overall talent level of this team really showed through on a Tuesday night where they needed 
guys to pick up the slack, especially when you had Day-Day Thomas struggling mightily. He was his worst game as a Bearcat. Jizzle James struggling throughout the first half and really turning it on uh, to help kind of keep things steady in the second half at the point guard position. But it seems to me like the wings and the bigs, Neil, are going to have to be the, the fulcrum piece, the driving piece of this team. And I don't know about you, but I think people are split about them playing that road game on Tuesday night. Now, people obviously would have been even less split and would have hated it if they had actually had gone on to lose after the Seth Towns buzzer beater. But I love that scheduling by Wes Miller. I love scheduling a mid-major team that's expected to do really well this season that I believe Howard went to the NCAA tournament last year. And they're just a solid program. You go face them on the road. Even though they're in the 200s in Ken Palm, it's a program that's won 10 games in a row at home. You can really get your squad up for that and get to those road experiences that you're just, you can't manufacture those anywhere else except actually playing those tough road games. Yeah, absolutely. And I know a lot of people were upset that Howard was on the schedule, but you're looking at this non-conference schedule and people expect it to be a breeze. Eastern Washington is projected to finish and win their league. Northern Kentucky projected to win the Horizon League. Howard was predicted to win the MAAC. So, I mean, I love the scheduling. And Howard was a good team. And, I mean, that's the environment they needed to head into, especially heading into two uh, tough stretches versus Xavier and Dayton here in the next few weeks. Like, that's your first and only road game outside of the Cincinnati area. And it was important to go into that environment on the road because Howard, we all know, I mean, you look at that gym. It's called Bird Gymnasium for a reason. It's not only cold in there. But, I mean, just look at how it's built. They're right on top of you. Fans are getting involved. You need to go into a hostile environment like that in these seasons. I mean, especially heading into the Big 12. I mean, going into Cintas is never easy, and we all know that. And then you have to go to a neutral site to play a very tough Dayton team here in the next week and a half. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. that game was important heading into Xavier and Dayton, and people might not really see that like the side we do. But overall, that was a huge game, and I I was all for that Howard game. On that schedule, I mean, Howard was projected to win their league again. Seth Towns is an incredible player who has bounced around for quite some time in the NCAA now. And, I mean, we saw the kind of player he was the other night, a high offensive dynamic threat. And, I mean, when Howard needed a bucket, who were they going to? Seth Towns. So, overall, I loved the scheduling. It wasn't the game the Bearcats won. I mean, they struggled from deep. I think they only finished with three made threes, and they all were from Simus Lukosius. Mm-hmm. So, overall – they struggled and they still found a way to grind it out and get the win. And as you mentioned, this was the last two seasons. I don't think they get that win. I really don't. And I mean, we saw that last season versus NKU. So that's the huge turning curve here in year three for West Miller is they found a way to get the job done on the road. Now, I think uh, two and one in overtime games, West Miller is, or it might be one and two, honestly, it's either two and one or one and two. I know he lost the Tulane game last year. And uh, there was, I had it in my article, but I'm not going to spend it. I'm not going to waste time trying to hunt that down as we got only about five, 10 minutes left in the show. When we look at this upcoming stretch, Neil, so FGCU this coming weekend, we'll preview that after the uh, upcoming break in just a moment. But Dayton, 61st in Ken Palm. And you look at Xavier, 42nd in Ken Palm, both ranked below Cincinnati on the Ken Palm National Rankings. You see checking in at number 37 overall, one of less than 25 teams remaining unbeaten in Division I college basketball. It's going to be very interesting to see 
how they parlay these next few weeks because they don't have do they have a game midweek next week neil i, I nope, can't remember they got the whole week off yep so let's schedule it that way i think a smart scheduling tactic there build up the momentum build up the hype throughout xavier week get those guys practicing in a frothy manner and then go into centos center where neil i think if they win this game on the road against xavier we'll preview it obviously throughout next week but before we get to fccu you go to 8-0, I think it's going to be very difficult given what this team has shown through eight games to that point to think they're going to miss the NCAA tournament. And it's going to be very difficult in my eyes if they go 8-0 to think they're going to be a double-digit seed. So this is, I would say, next weekend is the biggest game yet in the West Miller era. It is an opportunity to beat Xavier at Xavier for the first time since 2001 in a matchup where you are probably going to be the metrically better team then the Musketeers going into it for what, Neil? The first time since what, 2019, 2018? Yeah. It's been a long time since they've been a better overall team than Xavier going into this matchup. Going to be very, very interesting. Neil Meyer, Russ Heltman, we're on Bearcat Blitz right here. Got a little festive uh, festive overlay th- this morning. It's a lot of fun using that one as we get into the holiday season. Coming up after the break, we'll do a quick preview on Florida Gulf Coast. It's not uh it's not Lob City anymore from uh from the 2013 NCAA tournament run, but a interesting opponent nonetheless. Coming up on Bearcat Blitz. Neil Meyer, Russ Eltman joining you all on Bearcat Blitz this week as we mosey in the basketball season and uh, startup transfer portal season in the college football space. Touch on that to begin the show. But now it's time to look at Florida Gulf Coast taking on Cincinnati this Sunday at 1 p.m., a little 1 p.m. tip-off time. Excited for that. It's a beautiful, beautiful time to tip off the basketball game. Love that. You see a 90.4% matchup favorite in this one. Neil, what's your spread prediction here before I dive into the ins and outs of these teams? I'm going to go You see by... Uh, 17, I think the line's going to be. What do you think? I'm going to go by 15. All right. 15. I think we'll see what we'll see what we got there on Saturday night once that opening line comes out. But UC expected to win this game, obviously. The Eagles, two and six record on the season, one and two away. They are struggling offensively, to say the least. They're ranking in the 200s in Ken Palm, 225th, to say the least. Excuse me, struggling on defense mightily, not on offense. 302nd in adjusted defensive efficiency and 158th in adjusted offensive efficiency. Neil, this is a team largely led by two guys in Isaiah Thompson, this shifty six foot one guard, and their powerful forward at six foot seven, Zach Anderson. Those two guys combining for 26 points per game, a little over, a little under seven rebounds, and a little over 2.3 or three assists right there. They are not a great ball movement team. They're not a great pace team or great isn't the word to use but a high pace team they rank in the 340s in overall pace this season at number 346 to Cincinnati's ranking which I believe is sitting at 202nd after the game against Howard so that slowed them down a little bit on Tuesday night dropped them into the 200s but you see still a team that likes to get moving likes to get going fast going up against an exact opposite grinding you to a halt in FGCU on a year where they're just kind of letting teams score at will. They're 246 nationally in points allowed. They're 
just getting diced up. That just nothing really good happening for this defense in 2023-24 season. The rebounding is really lacking. I mean, they don't have a lot of size. Once again, it's an opponent, Neil, that is going to use maybe one player over six foot seven as a high rotation player, two players at that. To me, this is one where UC can continue to work Aziz Bandago in. He was solid against Howard, had a quieter game than you'd think, didn't have a ton of blocks, but was still felt on the defensive end. And they can just start to fine-tune things before the Xavier game on Saturday. But once again, next Saturday, but once again, cannot take this team lightly, cannot take any team lightly coming in the fifth third arena. Yeah, absolutely. And we're talking Florida Gulf Coast. I mean, this is a team that loves to turn the ball over. I mean, they're averaging nearly 17 turnovers a game, and everyone knows the Bearcats are going to be in your face defensively. Jizzle James, Day-Day Thomas, look for those two guys to create a lot of turnovers alongside John Newman. But overall, you talk about the size. I mean, the Bearcats have the clear height advantage, as they did versus Howard. But Howard was doing a lot of different things that threw the Bearcats off in the mismatch game. They really took the game outside to the perimeter a little bit. But overall, look for Aziz Bandego. Victor Lockin, Odio Guama to get things going inside the paint for the Bearcats. Obviously, that's what they're going to try and establish early with the height advantage with Zach Anderson and uh, Isaiah Thompson as the leading scorers, the two guys for Florida Gulf Coast that have that most production for uh, Florida Gulf Coast. And then Florida Gulf Coast also sprinkles Kashawn Kelman in a little bit, but he's mm-hmm. a guy who just plays to their advantage inside the paint at six foot eight. I mean, the guy's only attempted three shots from behind the arc this season. He's a 62% field goal uh, shooter, but he loves the 8-12 to foot mid-range game. So really look for uh, Florida Gulf Coast to find a way to sprinkle him in there. Try to get the Bearcats in early foul trouble, which honestly, now that you have Aziz Bandego back, even if you get into some early foul trouble, you still have the depth there. I mean, you know what kind of guy Odio Guama is, what kind of energy he'll bring off the bench. And we saw that versus Howard. I mean, we saw his minutes go down, and we kind of knew that was going to be the expectation once Aziz Bandego came back, but people can't forget that Odio Guama is still there, ready to provide some big minutes off the bench. So overall, I think the Bearcats have to limit the turnovers. And if they can create the turnovers on the defensive end and they can force Florida Gulf Coast into that 17 to 20 turnover range, they're in great hands come Sunday. No doubt. It allows Day Day Thomas, Jizzle James to get out on the break. You can get guys flash into the corners, get those wide open threes. I mean, Neil, this team's given up a 38% hit rate to opponents on three-point attempts this season on almost 25 three-point attempts allowed per game. Teams are getting them up, and they're flashing them into the net against FCCU. Howard game, I felt like they got great looks from outside. They're just one of those nights where they didn't fall in an opposing gymnasium. Now you're back in your home floor, back where you're comfortable shooting that ball. I expect more guys than just Simus Lukosius to end up, or Simas Lukosius, I got to say it correctly there, Simas Lukosius end up hitting a three or two or three in this game. So it'll be interesting to see if Victor Locken can get his three-point streak back rolling. And we'll be there to cover it all in person. Neil and I will be there on Press Row. Come say hey if you want to. If you're a listener to Bearcat Blitz, you want to come say hey on Press Row. It's that intimate. You can come say hey and, and chop it up with us before the game or something like that. And then we'll be back on Monday to recap it all and get Xavier Week started. Plus, I'm sure there's going to be a little bit more transfer portal news coming out of UC football at that point in the calendar. For Neil Meyer, Front Office News, I'm Russ Eltman, your All-Bearcats reporter. This has been Bearcat Blitz on the Believe Network, presented by Bet Online.
take a shot towards the end zone under throw the touchdown. Trey Tucker. 